Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. In a world of virtual wonders, is it still important to stand in the actual physical spot where history, for good or ill, was made? To visit places of tragedy, memorials, and historic sites? Permit me to tell you what you would have seen and heard had you been with me on Thursday. It will not be pleasant listening. We've been able to visit so many places over generations without necessarily ever going there. As we approached it, we saw about 100 men in civilian clothes with rifles. Edward R. Murrow told us on radio in 1945 what he saw at Buchenwald, what we might have seen at a concentration camp. I was told that this building had once stabled 80 horses. There were 1,200 men in it. Later, Walter Cronkite went to Vietnam to report on the Tet Offensive, to see it for himself. We're in an observation point overlooking a house some mile and a quarter across the hills there where it is believed... And came back with a different view of the war. He changed a lot of minds. But they're waiting for air power to give them a little assist. And the weather has been frightful here for three weeks. In those earlier days of media, it was shocking but oddly satisfying to turn on a box and have these places in the world brought into our living rooms. We trusted and admired those correspondents in trench coats. From tonight. I want to show you a little bit, though, of where I am right now. I'm very close to the water's edge. More uh, recently, Anderson Cooper, no trench coat, took us to New Orleans after Katrina. He was less of a mediator for us, not so much a distanced reporter on the scene. There are just trees, huge, enormous, uh, age-old trees, uh, which have just been tossed up like twigs. He was a person with unusual access and a privileged platform, and he famously brought anger and frustration along with him and gave us even more of a sense of having been there ourselves. Uh, for the last four days, uh, I've been seeing dead bodies in the streets here in Mississippi, uh, and to listen to politicians thanking each other and complimenting each other... Uh, you know, Without any correspondent at all, we can even put the whole World Trade Center history in our ears through the Sonic Memorial Soundwalk. Nearly all the sound and stories you'll hear in the next hour were recorded at the World Trade Center and in the surrounding neighborhood over the last 100 years. Stop at the corner and you will see Ground Zero on your right. So even now, when it's so easy not to bother, why do we still want to be in that spot? Standing in the same site seems to transport us back to the moment somehow. Even James E. Young, who was on the jury that selected the Michael Arad Peter Walker design for the World Trade Center Memorial, was jolted by the feel of the site downtown. The jury had chosen the memorial design from drawings and models, and they agreed on its merits in meetings, sitting around tables. And then they went to the site itself. What we didn't understand until we actually visited these memorial voids was the overwhelming scale of the site. And suddenly, we were swallowed up into it. We actually stood at the bottom of the voids looking up. And suddenly, we as people felt very small. Young has visited memorial sites and monuments all over the world. He's observed that memorials sometimes become stand-ins for the events being remembered. Part of the experience, you know, in standing in the space is that something in a does get changed. 
we are changed inwardly by the experience of standing in the memorial space. And in some ways, I guess that becomes a version of being changed inwardly by the event itself. Certainly for an NYU student, Johanna Mayer, who was taped just after the Osama bin Laden raid, there was no place else on earth that day she would rather have been. I'm from Missouri, and so it felt like it was almost in a different country. You know, I knew no one here. I also watched videos on YouTube, but it's something that I felt like I needed to learn more about, and that can't happen on YouTube. I mean, we're here. And, like, I've never been here before. I've watched here on YouTube and on the news, but I've never been here. Our culture wants you to get over tragedy quite quickly. You know, you get maybe a year to get over somebody's death, and then everyone thinks you should be moving on. Ruth Sergel is an artist and activist. Soon after September 11th, she gave people who'd been on or near the site that day the chance to relate their experiences on video with no rules, no time limit, in a project called Voices of 9-11. She believes in taking your time. I think it's the communal experience that's the most important part. There's something absolutely critical about being with other people who are also in a, having a similar experience. And I don't know if it matters if it's the exact site or not. I, I think that probably adds to it. But I think the more critical thing is just that there's other people there. You know, the accessibility of the virtual world may in fact intensify the need to actually be in a place and have a real experience as opposed to a virtual one. For Clifford Channon, the 9-11 Memorial Museum's education director, part of the human experience is being there. See, the the reason you know the deep meaning of a place like Ground Zero is the automatic associations that come to mind when you mention it. So you speak about the World Trade Center, and then for Americans, the first thing you're going to hear about is Pearl Harbor, or you're going to hear about a little deeper into Gettysburg and Antietam. I mean, these connections suggest themselves very, very naturally. And so you understand instinctively that if this is what 9-11 evokes, then it's now part of a chain that is a chain of witness. It's historical, it's identity, it's national. It's a chain of witness that somehow needs to be connected in a physical way to the real place where there are these links in the chain. You know, on that day 10 years ago, another link in the chain was forged. And so... The need to bear witness, to pay tribute, to do a pilgrimage, to associate yourself with this history, I don't think it can be done only in virtual terms. Those things, it seems, are what will draw untold numbers of visitors to downtown New York. The scale, the camaraderie, the link in the chain. For WNYC, I'm Sarah Fishko.